Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. The decision is yours. By Tawfiq Ar-Rafai. The new useful series. Decision. My dear friend, if you have enough courage, as I think you do, then read this book so that you can decide. If you do not have enough courage to decide, then you will have that courage after you read this book. If you do not have enough courage to decide after you read this book, then you will decide after you read it again. I'm concerned that you may turn away from reading this book because you think that it is like what you have read before. But then, you will miss out on a great deal and you will miss out on making the decision. I'm concerned that you may be reluctant to read this book because you give a religious, regional or racial label to its author and thus you will be deprived of the opportunity to decide. No one can make the decision for you. It is your decision and as such, I do not think that you will decide anything but that which is in your best interest. You will decide. Let us wait until the last line of the last page before we listen to the most serious decision. I'm concerned that you may not understand and you may choose not to read when you see names that you do not recognize and thus you may doubt its integrity. So put the names that you want, or put your own name, or put numbers, or letters, or symbols, or ignore all of that and just look at the meanings, at the discussion, at the evidence. Put emotion aside and let your reason decide. Nevertheless, you should know that the men and women in these dialogues are real people, and that the dialogues in this book are real. The aim of being fair to all parties is a sincere aim. The high academic and social status of the people involved in the dialogues in this book is real. The seriousness of these dialogues and the strength of the evidence presented are real. What I have added of questions, answers, and evidence is aimed only at serving the truth regardless of which party is involved. One final touch. The decision is up to your desire for the truth, or if you wish, you may say that it is up to your rational judgment or your judgment on the basis of truth. Be assured that your reason is able to pass judgment and declare the truth. Give your reason a chance, give it time, and you will see its real ability to make the greatest decision. Written by the author, Tawfiq Ar-Rifai. The First Gathering A conversation among dear friends on the on the Signy on the Signy from the Emirates to Paris. Again, a conversation among dear friends 
on the uh, Seine from the Emirates to Paris. Seine is E-I-N-E. How long did I live with her, loving one another, attracted to one another, and living in harmony together, until we were split by differences of religion? No, our love did not end, and our meetings did not cease, although our ideas and thoughts grew apart. Then we met again after I had changed. We met in a gathering one evening on the uh, Sine during a beautiful French summer in that beautiful and splendid capital. But the most marvelous thing in my view was the strangest and there's uh, my legitimate wife, Um Hamid. No subject provoked, no subject provoked more debate than the hijab of Um Hamid, and the conversation moved from hijab to woman, to the family, to society, to history, to God. After the mixture, after the mixture of French and Arabic re- greetings, this meeting led to feelings of. Uh, sincere love. It was a meeting that deserved to be witnessed by masses of men and women, and I wish that the number of those who hear it would surpass six billion. This was the introduction that led to the first question after we had traveled 5,000 kilometers from Dubai airport to Charles de Gaulle, suspended between heaven and earth for six and a half hours. Abu Hamid, no one else on that Emirates plane that was heading for Paris with more than 300 passengers on board was wearing the Utra and Iqal. This is Arab men's headdress. But there were many women on board who were wearing hijab and niqab. I knew that many of my fellow Arab men had changed their clothing and were hiding themselves in your type of clothing. My wife, Om Hamid. In fact, I have not seen any of the French trying to annoy me with even a single word or look. But I saw astonishment in the eyes of men and women when I landed at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Parisian Parks and in French cab- and French hospitals and clinics, and they have not stopped until this moment. Isabella, Isabella, with a look of astonishment, this is something natural. You have to realize that most people in our society have never in their lives seen a woman dressed like that. They may or may not have seen it on television. How would a woman feel if she sees a woman like her covered up in a black or white, showing only her face and hands, or something, or sometimes only her eyes like you, Um Hamid? This is a natural reaction resulting from the questions that arise in people's minds, wondering why, why would she do that, and why would she do that to herself? Did she think it was a masquerade? Or was she afraid of the world? Was she trying to escape reality or hiding an ugly face? Or was it none of these reasons? Was she forced by her husband 
or the authorities. This is what crossed my mind when I came to Dubai for the first time and saw Muhammad and others like here. So how about one who has never left France than sees women like you for the first time? Dr. Catherine. Yes, our society is one of freedom, and we would like to exercise freedom here in this marvelous gathering by means of a free debate of everything that comes up. Hence, I will start with you, Muhammad, with a blunt question. I hope you will bear with me. What happiness can there be for a woman who covers her face and hides her charms from the world? What happiness can there be for a woman who regards everything and everyone as suspicious. What inner happiness can there be for a man who fears everything for his wife and is always suspicious? What about openness? What about adornment? What about life? Dr. Dreamer. Before you answer, Abu Hamid, I want you to know that I have tried hard to think about this matter and I said, would I ever be able to accept my wife looking like that? How could she greet my friends and how could they greet her? How could I kiss their wives and how could they kiss her if, if, if they were wearing this niqab? How would the Parisian streets look if they were filled with women dressed like Um Hamid. How would we live in our houses? How would we breathe? Madame Dreamer, looking with pity mixed with shyness and looking at her friends and husband as if they had gone too far. Perhaps we have overburdened, um, uh, perhaps we have overburdened Abu Hamid and Um Hamid and they are our guests. Is this what they came here for? Abu Hamid. I think that uh, the most, uh, I think that the most important thing on which our relationship should be based is honesty and frankness. Hence, I say to you, believe me, I want our discussion to be sincere and honest not hiding anything in our hearts with no limit to its uh, frankness and broadness of scope with no restrictions. This is the best topic we could discuss in our meeting. How good the meeting is when our friendship is sincere and fruitful. Let us agree on something that no two people can dispute. That is the aim of all of us, happiness. Everything that can lead us to true happiness we should adopt because that is the true road that leads towards uh, our goal, regardless of whether it is a social custom for us, for you, or for anyone else. So we should not make social customs the basis of our judgment as to whether something is true or false. Customs are a relative matter, and what is relative cannot be the measure of what is true or false because it is not fixed. Let us give some examples of what we are saying. If a woman among you who regard the abaya and covering the head as something objectionable went to an Arab village where the women cover their faces, would you, O French woman, with bare arms and legs be in the right, uh, be in the right when you walked in the 
alleyways of that village appearing very odd and strange? Or would the community where everyone agrees on covering up and have lived all their lives like that be in the right? So let us not resort to customs when we differ, whether it be in the streets of Paris or the valleys or sorry, or the alleys of a conservative Arab village. Before I continue here, I need to read this footnote. The reader may feel that the responses of Abu Hamid are longer than those of the others. This is for a number of reasons, such as the fact that the answers are naturally longer than the questions. And Abu Hamid is usually the one to whom questions are directed. The one who is accused in these uh, debates is Abu Hamid, and the defense of the accused is usually longer than the argument presented against him. The reader should not imagine that the length of the answers is any indication of bias. Rather, what I have mentioned is what actually happened because Abu Hamid was surrounded by a group of Western men and women, and most of the discussions were with the French and others like them, so he was faced with their questions and arguments. Let's now go back to the conversation. Isabella, excluding different customs as the measure of things is something that I don't think any of us or you will disagree with, because if you ask us to refer to your customs, we will ask you to refer to ours, and in that case, we will be demanding of you what you demand of us, and we will be going around in a vicious circle. But my question is, what are we going to turn uh, to for judgment? Are we going to turn to the Torah, the Gospel, or the Quran? In that case, we will demand of you what you demand of us, and we will be going around in a vicious circle. When will we find the right answer? How can we find the way to happiness? Abu Hamid, what do you think if we choose as a judge with regard to hijab and all other issues? What do you think if we choose as a judge with regard to hijab and all other issues, something that we and you will not differ on? And regard this as a reference point in all our debates. Uh, what do you think if we refer to reason? Because reason is something that all people have in common. So what uh, our fair reason agrees upon, we will all declare to be truth. And what is contrary to reason, we will all declare, declare as false. Dr. Dreamer, amazing. You're a man of religion, but you're agreeing to overlook religious rulings in favor of rational rulings. I would like to take the initiative of claiming reason to be on our side. And I say that this uncovering of women, which is widespread among us, shows the beauty of women and not showing adornment, uh, and not showing uh, adornment is contrary to women's nature because women are naturally inclined to love adornment and beauty. And this is in accordance with reason. Moreover, one of the uh, tried and true principles of reason is that what is banned becomes desirable. Giving people freedom to dress as they like could remove complexity from the issue of sex and reduce people's desire for it. Contrary to what happens when adornment is very rare in a conservative society, where the desire for adorned women becomes very great and there are uh, bestial, and there are 
bestial attacks upon them. Abu Hamid, I shall prove to you that what you are saying is wrong based on visible evidence that you can see morning and evening with your own eyes and not only on the basis of your reason. Catherine, if you can offer me visible evidence for a rational issue, uh, then you will have proven the point completely once and for all. But how can you do that? Abu Hamid, is there any woman among you who is purer and better than the Virgin Mary? Catherine, absolutely not. And I think that you also regard her as pure. Abu Hamid, undoubtedly. But do you have an image of the Virgin Mary in which she is uncovered? Catherine, no. Abu Hamid, is this not visible evidence that covering is in accordance with sound human nature and in accordance with reason and that ultimately it is right? Another example, I will ask you of the greatest example of a lack of reason. Do you have a greater image of the opposite of the human image than that of an animal? Answer, absolutely not. Hence, man hates to be likened to an animal. Based on these two visible examples, women are either of two things. Either they are at the level of maturity and reason on the one hand, uh, at the pinnacle of which is Mary and those who are like her, or on the other hand, they are at the level of animals. The more a woman covers up, the closer she is to the level of the Virgin Mary in position and status. The uh, more she uncovers, the more she uh, comes down to the level of animal. What makes us think this, is, this way is in fact reason, which we have agreed to appoint as arbiter. The more a woman listens to the voice of reason, the more her appearance will become like that of Mary. The more she resembles animals, the more her reason will become like that of animals. So if she sheds her clothing like an, uh, an animal, she also sheds her reason like an animal or more so. Dr. Rima, but didn't God create Eve, the mother of mankind, and make her and our father Adam naked in paradise? This indicates that woman was originally created naked and that this was the case with regard to our mother and there is nothing better for a human being than to follow in the footsteps of his father and mother. Was Eve, uh, was Eve rational? It is a sophistry for anyone to assume something and expect people to believe it. I do, not know, I do not know whether the connection between the hijab and reason is because uh, the hijab is worn on the head, which is the seat of reason, or it is because of something that we do not know. In fact, we have had enough of sophistry for a long time and we have begun to react against this approach. If you have any visible evidence of this, bring it forth. Otherwise, it is impossible for us to be convinced of this argument. Abu Hamid, how do we know that Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, were naked in paradise? What is the source? Is it movies and fables? One of the things that we are agreed upon is that the source of these stories is the books of divine origin. The story of our father Adam and our mother Eve is found in different versions in the Quran for us and in the Bible for you. But what all the reports of the books of divine origin are agreed upon is that Adam and Eve, before they ate from the tree and disobeyed God, were not aware of their nakedness. But after they were tempted and deceived by Satan, they became aware 
uh, of their nakedness and were ashamed of it. So they began, so they began to gather leaves to put on their bodies and cover themselves. Which scenario is more in accordance with the reason and which is closer to perfection? Is it the state of our parents before they sinned or their state after they sinned? Which of the two is closer to human perfection? Uh, before we continue the conversation, let's read the footnote. As a Muslim, I am obliged to pray for peace and blessing whenever the name of any prophet is mentioned. Let's continue the conversation. Isabella, no doubt it is their state before they fell prey to Satan's deceit. But how is this in accordance with reason? Abu Hamad, didn't they only disobey God and follow Satan after he caused them to lose their reason and made them forget the first covenant that they had made with their Lord, promising not to eat from the tree? Wouldn't a rational person choose a higher status in paradise? When a person follows his whims and desires in all things, is that not only after he has lost his reason, hence they warn against the loss of reason when desires are inflamed? Here I must explain this issue further, which is how the mixing of desire and reason affects us through visible evidence, all of which says that when reason increases, covering increases, and when reason decreases, covering decreases. The ratio between uh, animalistic desires and reason is an inverse ratio. Look at man and think. Is his reason now as it was when he was in his mother's womb? Or is it greater? Go back now and you will find this natural truth. The day when he was void of, the day when he was devoid of reason, his body was naked. When he was in his mother's womb, but his reason continued to increase as he grew older and his covering up increased as his reason developed. Look at another example of evidence from real life. You will find that those who use the reason the least in all countries in the world are adolescents. Usually they are the people who most follow their whims and desires. Statistics show that the age at which people are most reckless and immature is the age of adolescence. Look at the third example. Look at the one who is sleeping. Do you think that anyone will blame him if his private parts become uncovered? Answer, no, because his reason is not with him. But if he were awake, they would rebuke him. I will give an example that I have seen with other shoppers and an example that has been seen by millions. The first example is, Whilst I was shopping in a Parisian branch of Carrefour, I saw a woman taking off all her clothes in the store, even her pants. Then she started walking among men and women in this store, calmly looking at one shelf, then walking to another. People were looking at her oddly and giving her disapproving looks until one of the salesmen noticed her and called a security guard who arrested her and took her to a special room. The second example is one that has been seen by millions during a match played by the Barcelona football team, which was uh, transmitted live. Uh, which was transmitted live. One of the fans came onto the pitch naked and tried to run across the field. He was determined to greet the Brazilian player Ronaldo. 
millions of human beings objected to that, whether they were watching on TV or were standing on the terraces. But they all excused. But they all excused this naked man and this naked woman when they found out that they were both insane, and their astonishment and disapproval turned to excuses and pity. Everyone said of this woman, "Poor thing, she has no reason." We wronged her because the one who has lost his reason is not to be blamed. Rather, it is the rational people who let her go out of the house or the clinic who are to be blamed. Doctor Ann, or Doctor Annie, what you have mentioned is all theoretical. I mean, that reality is one thing, and what you are saying is something else. Your words are theoretically 100% correct, but in real terms, they are zero correct. Please excuse me for being blunt. Does the human reason say that humans have to be like angels in heaven? Or does it say that women have to be like the Virgin Mary? Or does sound education mean isolating children and preventing them from indulging in desires until they get married, as in the case in the East? Or, or that those who are unmarried must protect themselves from all desires until they die. In addition to being realistically impossible, this is contrary to logic. A logic is reason. Is that not so, Muhammad? Muhammad, I regard these words of Dr. Annie as being very important because they are in accordance with the reason and they are in accordance with the natural human needs of anyone who has any kind of desire. This desire was only created in man in order to be fulfilled. Hence the angels, as Dr. Annie said, do not need to fulfill desires because they have no desires in the first place. No one who has even an atom of reason will disagree with this logic, but what we disagree about is how these desires are to be fulfilled. Abu Hamid, I will interrupt Muhammad here if she will let me, and I will give her my turn later and remind her of what she said last. Muhammad, go ahead. Abu Hamid, I have taken her turn to speak so that I may remind Dr. Annie of uh, one of our agreement, of our agreement, which is to exclude our customs and your customs as arbiters, and go back to reason as the standard in all matters we discuss. I do not think that the main problem is people's inclination towards immoral actions. No, the main problem is the inclination of a human reason to accept and justify immoral actions. This is what prepares society to accept that which is more immoral. Reason goes down to that level and sets out rules and regulations for immorality and justifies it to society. And thus, the entire society goes down that slippery slope to an even lower level, and the leadership turns from reason towards sexual desire. So every time society descends to a lower level, reason sets out rules to justify and regulate desire. Thus, reason is bringing up the rear, uh, bringing up the rear, whilst people's immorality is in the vanguard. If you wish. You could say that people put their desires in the driving seat and leave reason in the back seat. The real victim is reason. 
the greatest mistake that military leaders can make is to follow the ideal uh, prescription for defeat by putting their uh, headquarters within range of enemy fire. What they should do is isolate their headquarters from the battlefield completely, then no matter how many troops, strongholds, or forces fall, no matter what losses they incur, the position concerning which uh, there can be no negotiation and no compromise is the headquarters and command center because things may take a turn and a defeat may become a victory at any moment. Does man have any command center-like reason? If people in your country merely did not use the reason, it would not be so bad, but they have started to use the reason to set up rules and regulations for immorality and to defend the sins of their private parts. Thus, reason has become a slave to their private parts. The level at which you are living nowadays is probably partially, but not uh, entirely, the level at which Arab societies were living before Islam came, after the time of Christ, peace be upon him, but the Quran rebuked them in numerous verses. But anyone ponders, uh, but anyone ponders over those verses that speak of immorality on a rational basis will realize that they are focused on a protecting reason, even if the private uh, parts commit immoral actions. In Surah Al-Araf, Chapter Al-Araf, Allah says, And when they commit uh, elude act, fahisha, they say, We found our fathers doing it, and Allah has commanded it on us. Uh, say, nay, Allah never commands lewd acts or lewd act, fahisha. Do you say of Allah what you know not? Al-Araf, chapter 7, verse 28. When the Quran stated that Allah does not enjoin evil deeds, it meant to protect the reason from setting out rules allowing evil deeds uh, in the name of Allah. Prescribing laws governing immorality is even worse and more dangerous than committing the immoral acts themselves. Hence, it became essential to protect reason, even if it is not possible to protect the private parts, and to put our reason at a higher level than using it to find excuses for the one who indulges in desires or to make excuses for him or to set rules for him. If we agree on this point and protect uh, our reason from sinking to the level of justifying sinful desire, then we will be able to discuss the matter with ease and finding the truth will not be a problem at all. I would like to confirm that by quoting the verse, I was not using it as religious evidence against you, Rather, it was because it fits the context and explains the importance of reason. Have we used anything but reason here? Here, I would like to tell you a beautiful and clear true story. It was narrated, it was narrated that Abu Umama al-Bahili, may Allah be pleased with him, said, A young man came to the Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, give me permission to commit fornication. The people turned to him and rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. But the messenger of Allah, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said to him, Come closer. So he came closer to him and sat down. And the messenger, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said, Would you like it for your mother? The young man said, No, by Allah. May Allah cause me to be ransomed for you.
the messenger peace and blessing of Allah peace be upon him uh, the sorry the messenger peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him said any people do not like it for their mothers would you like it for your daughter the hangman said no by Allah may Allah cause me to be ransomed for you the messenger peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him said and people do not like it for their daughters would you like it for your sister the young man said no by Allah may Allah cause me to be ransomed for you the messenger peace and the blessings of Allah uh, be upon him said and people do not like it for their sisters would you like it for your parental aunt or for your maternal aunt the young man said no by Allah may Allah cause me to be ransomed for you the messenger peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him said and people do not like it for their parental or maternal aunts he put his hand on him and said oh Allah he meaning the messenger of Allah put his hand on him and said oh Allah forgive his son and purify his heart and guard his chastity and after that the young man did not pay attention to anything of that nature this is a sahih hadith meaning authentic uh, narration for the prophet if you think about this prayer you will find that there is great wisdom in the order of its words the first phrase the prophet peace and blessing of allah be upon him prayed that his former sins would be forgiven then he prayed that allah would purify his heart before uh, before praying for his chastity be guarded that is because the heart is the center of thought and control in man and if the center of control is purified then everything else will be purified too so it is mentioned first in a prayer because of its importance i do not want to quote this incident to prove a religious ruling no that is beyond the agreement that we made at first rather my aim in quoting this story is to point to the importance of protecting reason from changes this young man was frank and audacious and specific in his request his request to the prophet muhammad peace and the blessings of allah be upon him for permission to commit fornication was bold frank and extremely odd he knew that the prophet muhammad peace and blessing of allah be upon him had forbidden it had announced that prohibition had announced that prohibition and would punish for it even more amazing than that was the response of muhammad peace and the blessing of allah be upon him he did not tell him not to commit fornication or that fornication was unlawful or that he would incur the wrath of allah or just uh, issue a brief warning or exhortation that would soon evaporate in the flames of desire on an individual or social level rather he referred the man to a principle that he believed in a social principle that will uh, that still existed and that immoral actions could not change in their society and that immoral immoral actions could not change in their society no matter how many they were this is the moderate principle of ghira or protective jealousy the secret behind the success of the advice given by the prophet muhammad peace and blessing for allah be upon him was that its philosophy was based on the fact that when desire overwhelms a person it distracts him from all other principles and causes his mind to ignore all women other than the one whom he sees his thoughts go no further than the object of his desire hence 
the Prophet, peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him, directed this young man to look further than the object of his desire and to, uh, the, uh, than the object of his desire and love, and he saw something that he was not expecting. If you like, you may say that he reversed the way he looked at things, so this young man got a shock. It was the same image, the same action, but with different people. He presented it to this young man, and it came as a shock when this young man was replaced with another, and the woman with whom he wanted to commit fornication was replaced with this young man's mother or sister or aunt. This young man experienced a major rational shock. This new image provoked a sense of ghira or protective jealousy in the young man who had wanted to commit fornication and who was prepared to follow whatever Muhammad peace and blessings uh, of Allah be upon him said except in the case of fornication. Muhammad peace and blessing of Allah be, uh, peace be upon him referred to him or referred to a principle that is still sound regardless of what sin his private parts led to, that principle was not affected and that rational way of thinking was not damaged and it became possible to correct these wrong actions. Allah Akbar. Another advantage of reversing this image was that every time this young man's desire grew strong, this reversed image would have an effect on him. If his desire was provoked by just imagining, then every time he imagined himself committing fornication with that beautiful woman, the opposite image of another man with his mother or sister would put him off, which would be guaranteed to erase the first image and bring him back to his senses. An even greater advantage of this image is that it makes everyone in society feel a sense of protective jealousy towards one another, just as an individual would feel that sense of protective jealousy towards his sister, mother, or daughter. I shall pause before I get carried away in describing other things that we learn from this incident and go back to what Dr. Annie said about the danger of putting the cart of desire before the horse of reason, which will not leave any barrier of sound principle without breaking it. This is what is happening in your society or societies, and this is clear, practical, rational evidence. Dr. Annie, for God's sake, where is the clear evidence that desire can sweep away principles? It seems that every society designs principles according to what it thinks and desires. We have probably given you tangible evidence of that. You have seen for yourself the innocence of our men and women kissing one another as Europeans when we met tonight. Even if you did not take part in that kissing, you saw us and I do not think you regarded us with suspicion just as we do not regard you with suspicion. But what we truly feel in our hearts as Westerners is that we do not think positively of one who does not look at our beauty because the one who does not look is hiding desires in his heart and fears that he may be tempted if he keeps looking at us. If he does not keep looking, then this means that he is determined or at least is uh, prepared to have intercourse whenever he has the opportunity 
or is alone with a woman, which is why being alone with a woman is forbidden for you, as far as I know from my husband. Whereas for us, being alone with a woman does not mean anything. So there is no need to prevent it in the first place. It seems to me that what has created this psychological condition among you is your religion, which is still stirring up doubts about desire and the like in your souls. Hence, when you have the opportunity to do what we would not, you do it with an unnatural appetite. Look at the numbers of Muslims who are suppressed in their own countries. What do they do when the door is open to them? They come here and drink to, ex- to, to excess, uh, overindulge in fornication and in every immoral action. Is this not your reality? I'm sure that one of the reasons is your religious education. Is it in accordance with the reason or op- opposed to it? Abu Hamid. I promised Um Hamid that I would give her back her turn to speak after I finished. But Dr. Annie is insisting on prolonging the discussion and I'm still promising Um Hamid that I will let her speak. But with regard to Dr. Annie's argument, I can say that she has summed up your uh, reality in a single phrase, which is uh, shaping the principle to suit the desire. This is the secret and this is the problem. The problem that all Western societies have fallen into that They shape the principles to suit their whims and desires, and they do not shape their actions and lifestyles to suit the principles. We do not accept any of the evidence that Dr. Annie has stated against us, such as using as evidence the innocence of the kissing that we have seen here tonight, or the innocence of the hugs between men and women, or the lowering of the gaze on our part and our refraining from shaking hands, or what some Arabs and Muslims uh, do when they leave their countries and go to the west and commit immoral actions and go to extremes in uh, indecent behavior and drinking alcohol. I do not disagree with these facts, but unfortunately they all count as evidence against you on the basis of reason, which we agreed today will be the standard by which we judge. How can Dr. Annie count the kisses that happened tonight as being in accordance with reason? when we had already agreed that we would put aside our customs and your customs and not use them as evidence to show what is right and what is wrong. Moreover, you know that these practices are wrong and deceitful, but you do them for one reason, which is that you are overwhelmed by desires. But they cheated you when they gave you the impression that your entire society dislikes Uh, chastity and that everyone in society is sexual and you started to uh, defend immorality without realizing even though society is not like that and there is still a lot of good in common sense. There was a strange uh, opinion poll on the CNN website and I hope that you will look at it and find out the truth of the matter in terms of percentages and numbers. This telephone poll was carried out in uh, uh, on 1,523 adult men and women. Uh, question three, do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if A, you kiss someone else? So yes, they said 67%. No, they said 28%. B, uh, do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you engage in phone sex? Yes, 66%. No, 32%.
the uh, C, do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you engage in internet sex? Yes, 64%. No, 33%. Question four, do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you hold hands with someone? Yes, they say, uh, 40, uh, 43% they said yes. Uh, 53% uh, person they said no. Question five. Do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you make a sexual gesture to someone else? Uh, 34% they said yes. 64% they said no. Question six. Do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you visit a strip club? Uh, 45% they said yes. No, uh, 55% they said no. Question seven, do you regard it as cheating on your husband or wife if you think of another person with a desire? 38% uh, uh, they said yes, 50% they said uh, no. After this, Dr. Annie, can you picture in your mind the friends of 100 years ago? Try to remember, well, was it something common for a man to kiss his friend's wife? Or for a friend to kiss his his, or for a friend to kiss someone else's wife, Doctor Annie. No, Abu Hamid was kissing someone uh, regarded as objectionable or acceptable as you think it is nowadays, Doctor Annie. No, rather kissing was seen as something odd, and was not done except by certain classes of people who were regarded by society at that time as doing something wrong. Well, let me go over to, to read this footnotes before I continue the discussion. Uh, here's www.cnn.com and uh, slash all po politics. Uh, this is the site. Then there is something about adultery. I have tried my best to ensure that all the data mentioned in this book is attributed to its source and that all sources are non-Arab and credible to Westerners. Most of the data or data is based on a great deal of research. Otherwise, most of what is found on websites is useless. I have left the abbreviations of non-Arab agencies as they are so that it will be easier to refer to them for anyone who wants to know more. Well, let's continue the discussion. <clears throat> Abu Hamid, so what happened to change so what happened? Uh, let me stop here, I think, to just finish the first part. This is page now 41. I'll start later on with the second part. Salam. Take care.